When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Doc Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full... Your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm-up Bobby Ball. Welcome to Bobby Boss Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We got a terrific show for you today as Danny Vietti. He is the co-host of the Wake and Rake podcast, also does absolutely outstanding work with CBS Sports' MLB coverage is going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to pose the question to him that I've been saying on this podcast for quite a while. Are the best three teams in the National League out west? We're also going to be talking a little bit about the AL West. Also going to be diving into how the crackdown on foreign substances being used by pitchers might wind up affecting things. So we're going to have a great chat in the second segment there. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Friday. And a little something I like to call a touch of all first things first. Love being able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind the letters EM. They mean does not matter, so I send these into the timeline. Other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. I know that many of you guys ask what the best way to be able to support this podcast is. If you just download and listen every day like you're doing right now, if you're listening to this, I do appreciate it. And then if at some point you're able to rate five stars on Apple Podcasts, takes about two minutes. That is also very much appreciated. Obviously, the download and listen part is the biggest one, but I know that many of you guys have done this. 
I really do appreciate it and did not wind up getting any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Thursday, so let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. Well, the New York Post play today had been 8-1 and one in its last nine. We had the Atlanta Braves on the money line yesterday. They scored two in the 10th, and then they give up three in the 10th as well. 4-3 to three the final. The Philadelphia Phillies get the win. Ian Anderson and Zach Wheeler were both tremendous in this one. Ian Anderson, 7 scoreless innings. Zach Wheeler, 8 scoreless innings from there. A.J. Minter gives up a run in 2 thirds of an inning out of the bullpen. Edgar Santana gives you a little bit of something. And Luke Jackson, who has been highly reliable for the Braves, he gives you a scoreless inning. But then, one of the better pieces for the Atlanta Braves, Chris Martin, comes out of the bullpen. In the 10th inning, he gives up 3 runs, 2 of which were earned without recording it out. And this game wound up getting Dexter's because Freddie Freeman came up clutch in the ninth inning off of Hector Neris with his 14th home run this season. For Neris, he'd actually been relatively decent in save opportunities. I just still have no faith in him whatsoever. He gives up that home run. And then Jose Alvarado gives up two unearned runs in an inning as the Phillies are able to get the job done. And for the Phillies, they've been vastly different home to road so far this year. For the Phillies at home, they have currently a record of 19-12, and 11-19 on the road. The Milwaukee Brewers have actually been a really solid team on the road so far this year. And they get it done against the Cincinnati Reds. 72 the final. Freddie Peralta only winds up going four innings in this one, but he was able to limit the damage. Only gave up one run. That was a solo home run. That was belted by Joey Votto his sixth of the season. From there, Brewers bullpen able to get the job done. Brent Suter two innings. He gives up a run. Brad Boxberger Hobie Milner along Trevor Richards are all able to give you a score of setting him for the Milwaukee Brewers. Daniel Vogelback, I believe that this is back-to-back days in which he gets a home run. His sixth of the season, that comes off of Sean Doolittle, who is doing very little for you now as a 5-year-a. Gives up that home run in an inning. You also wind up having Mr. Warren, Art Warren, give up a run in an inning. You were able to get a scoreless inning out of Ashton Gadu. And for Luis Castillo, he is the first pitcher in the majors to nine losses. He gives up three runs in five and two-thirds innings. Lucas Sims gives up a run in a third of an inning as well. And for the Reds, they wind up starting six men on base. And for the Reds, it is not looking good for this team right now. Speaking of it not looking good, that is exactly what we can say about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Six to three, the final. I know that there were some people that were outraged if their total slash their run line did not wind up getting cashed out in this one. That is because this is a game that ended in eight innings. As I always like to say with run line along with totals place. If you wind up making them, the losing team needs to get 27 outs in order for it to have action. If it's a 7 inning doubleheader, 21 outs. So always think of it that way. If not, it's probably going to be voided. I know that a couple select places out there on the East Coast still wound up giving you credit if you had the Dodgers run line, but always think of it that way. But for Mookie Betts, he was able to get a sixth home run in the campaign. That comes off of Mitch Keller, who winds up taking another loss. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. He's been terrible with a 7.04 here. Two two-thirds innings, he gives up four runs. Pirates' bullpen has actually not been too bad. Dwayne Underwood Jr. Get, does give up a run in one and a third innings, and Kyle Crick gives up a run in a third of an inning as well. David Bernard, Chris Stratton, they're able to get a pair of outs. Jason Shreve, five outs out of the bullpen, and Brian Reynolds gets his seventh home run of the season. I think that he is the first Pirate to be able to get to a double-digit amount of homers. That comes off of Mr. Julio Arias, who had seen out of his last eight starts, seven go over, and then you have a push. This one is not necessarily an official one, but it was trending over, and then Phil Bickford gives you a scoreless inning 
running out of the bullpen and for the Dodgers. They started 12 men on base and a game that did not wind up going the full distance. So that tells you where that was at. The Colorado Rockies, this will tell you all you need to know about the team right now. They are now 5-24 and on the road after they wind up losing again on the road. The Miami Marlins get up in this one by a count of 11-0. Colorado Rockies do some window dressing with four runs late. 11-4 the final for the Colorado Rockies. Brendan Rodgers got his second home run this campaign. He goes deep off of Trevor Rodgers. So it's Rodgers on Rodgers crime as Trevor Rodgers. Solid start in this one. Gives up two runs in seven innings. Ross Detweiler gives up two runs out of the bullpen in two-thirds of an inning. Adam Simber gives you an out and Yumi Garcia closes the game out. But... How about the Marte Parte? Sterling Marte. He's able to get his fifth home run of the season. That comes off of Chichi Gonzalez. Gonzalez also winds up giving one up to Jazz Chisholm, his eighth of the season, and Adam Duvall's 11th inning. He gave them all up in the second inning as he got destroyed. Five innings pitch. He just had to wear it for the team in this one. Gives up all three bombs. Gives up eight runs, all of which were earned. You wind up having Robert Stevenson come in for a scoreless inning, and then you have Ben Bowden come in for a scoreless inning as well. And Ulysses Jacin in an inning of work gives up three runs. And for the Miami Marlins, a team that has not necessarily had the world's greatest record has actually been a little bit pesky, and good to see them get a couple wins over a Rockies team that they are just atrocious on the road right now. The Kansas City Royals looked atrocious in their last series against the LA Angels, but they get this one started off with a W. 6-1, they wind up taking down the Oakland A's for Mike Miner. Not a major disappointment. Gives up one solo home run over the course of seven innings. Going deep for Oakland, Jed Lowry is fifth of the season, and for Frankie Montas, not necessarily the world's worst start. He was hurt by a Sean Murphy catcher's interference ruling in this one. He gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of six and a third innings. And Jesus Lazardo, we're going to be asking a little bit more about this gentleman in the next segment with Danny Vietti, gives up three runs in one inning, including two homers. He didn't look right as a starter. He looks terrible out of the bullpen. It has not gone well from Cam Bedrosia in a scoreless inning, and Birch Smith is able to give you a pair of outs. But for the Royals, being able to go deep in this one, Ode Solaire, sixth home run of the season. He had 48 during the 2019 season. He needs to pick it up, and I think he might have heard me. Andrew Benatendi also goes deep off of Mr. Lozardo. His seventh of the season, and Scott Barlow, Greg Holland, both give you scoreless innings for the Kansas City Royals. A Royals team that, by the way, they have now played 60% of their road games under the total. For the New York Yankees, they're starting to play a couple overs as they wind up giving up seven runs to the Minnesota Twins. Seven to five, the final. In this one, Michael King gets a start. It was really a pseudo open and a half. He gives up two runs in three and two-thirds innings. From there, Lucas Lutige gives you a pair of outs along with Juani Peralta, but Peralta gives up a run in the process. Jonathan Lewisga gets five outs out of the bullpen. Chad Green gets four outs out of the bullpen. And Aroldo Shaman, who has been very trustworthy all year long, he gives up a pair of home runs in the ninth without getting it out. Gives up four runs, all of which were earned. He had given up one run all year prior to this game. For the New York Yankees, pair of home runs supplied by them in this one, both off of J.A. Hepeparay. John Carlos Sand is 12th of the season, and Gio Urshel is 7th, but the Twins come up with 4 in the ninth, so that was a bad beat if you wanted to be having the Yankees as J.A. Hepeparay gives up those two home runs, four runs in total over the course of five innings. Ty Duffy gives up a run in an inning, but Jorge Alcala, Luke Farrell, Enzo Robles all give you a scoreless inning, and for the Minnesota Twins, bailing them out in the ninth inning, home runs off the bat of Josh Donaldson along with Nelson Cruz. Cruz is 11th of the season, Donaldson is 8th, a much-needed win for a Minnesota Twins team that entered into this one. 24-37. and 37. Very insane to be taking a look at the White Sox and all they're doing. 5-2, to two, they wind up taking down the Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays for 
Hunjin Ryu. He gives up three runs over the course of six innings. Anthony Castro, Joel Payampas both come in for an inning, both give up a run. Castro gives up a home run going deep for the White Sox in this one. Off of Ryu, Yasmani Grandal is sent to the season. Never in my life have I seen a guy with a buck 60 batting average and a 400 on base at this time of the year, but that's what he's got going on. And then Abner Angle winds up going deep off of Mr. Castro for his first of the season for Dallas Keiko. Was able to do a good job of holding down the fort. Not much of a strikeout guy, but gets eight punch outs over the course of six innings, giving up two runs. Evan Marshall, Cody Ewart, Liam Hendricks all come in for scoreless innings and for Hendricks. 16th save of the season and for the Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays. They wind up stranding seven men on base, but did go two of four with men in scoring position, so not necessarily the world's greatest outing for them. Not a great outing if you want a pitching in the Astros versus the Boston Red Sox game either. 12 to 8. The Red Sox wind up getting the win for the Houston Astros. Zach Granke gives up four runs over the course of three innings. Did not wind up having it. And quite frankly, he was a little bit lucky to only give up four runs. As strange as that might sound. And then Brandon Belak comes in for a long relief. Goes two innings. Gives up three runs, all of which were earned, including a homer. Inoli Paredes gives up two runs. It doesn't record an out. Blake Taylor gives up three runs, one of which was earned in two-thirds of an inning. Brooks Raley gives you a four outs. And you were able to get a scoreless inning out of Nivaldo Rodriguez. But for the Houston Astros, even though you did wind up having a pair of home runs, Yoli Gurriel, his ninth of the season that came off of Eduardo Rodriguez. And then... Darwinson Hernandez gives up Jose Altuve's 11th of the season. It was not enough as the Boston Red Sox get four and two-thirds innings out of Mr. Eduardo Rodriguez, giving up six runs, all of which were earned. Matt Andres comes in in the fifth. He gives up a run while recording it out. Darwinson Hernandez gives up a solo home run to Jose Altuve in an inning, but Adam Adovino, Josh Shaler, Matt Barnes all give you scoreless innings. And for the Boston Red Sox, J.D. Martinez, 13th home run of the season. Christian Arroyo, second home run of the year. This Boston Red Sox team is on fire. And just that entire series was straight fire as well. And if you're looking for a team that is not on fire, that'd be the Seattle Mariners. They wound up being able to get the win two days ago, but yesterday, 8-3, they wind up losing to the Detroit Tigres, and I think that the Tigers overall for the year are 6-1 and one against them. For the Seattle Mariners, Justice Sheffield, well, Justice was not served to him. He winds up giving up two more months, five runs in total over the course of four innings, three of which were earned. Will Vest was able to give you a scoreless inning out along with Hector Santiago, but you wind up having Yaxel Rios give you a run, give it up in an inning, and Anthony Machevich, two runs, give it up in an inning for the Mariners. Really, the lone form of offense was Mitch Haniger. He goes deep twice in this one, once off of Tyler Alexander, once off of Mr. Foley for his 15th and 16th home runs of the season for Alexander. He pretty much served as a pseudo-opener in this one. He gives up one run in two and two-thirds innings. And then from there, you have Jason Foley give up the other home run to Mitch Haniger. One run, give it up in two innings. You wind up having four outs out of Brian Garcia. He gives up a run, but Joey Menez along with Andrew Lang both give you a scoreless inning along with Gregory Soto. And for the Detroit Tigers, Robbie Grossman, eighth home run of the season. Jonathan Scope, first Detroit Tiger to double-digit bombs in the 10th of the season. And then Jason Rogers was able to get his serve. So the Detroit Tigers, all of a sudden, are starting to give you a little bit of something as this is a team that they wind up being able to take two of three in that series. And the Tigers overall have not necessarily been great, but you know what has been very good for you? Favorites lately as favorites for the season to date. They are now at 520 and 392. That is a 57% clip. If you're looking more specifically over the last 30 days, favorites, 234, 157. 59.8% is what they're hitting at. And if you're looking at overs and unders the last 30 days, 190 and 190. A dead split there. If you're looking over the course of the last seven days, favorites have been hitting at a 64.7% clip, 55 and 30 with overs. 41 and 40 in that time span and for the year. 
it's been relatively equal as well. As bookmakers doing a great job of setting these totals, 444 overs, 443 under. So that's what we all saw from Major League Baseball on Thursday. Now let's turn the page forward to Friday. Let's get a little bit of a West Coast, Best Coast perspective from our good buddy Danny Vietti over there with CBS Sports, along with the Wake and Rake podcast. We're going to be talking about that. The foreign substance crackdown on pitchers and so much more on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Craig Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by this guest as he does a great job over there with CBS Sports covering a little bit of everything MLB for them. And now he's doing a podcast of his own, the Wake and Rake Podcast. You're able to hear that with he along with Will Middlebrooks. Middlebrooks, you may recall as a Boston Red Sox, he used to play for my beloved Milwaukee Brewers. He didn't necessarily play too long for the Milwaukee Brewers, so we'll always remember him as a Boston Red Sox instead. And you're able to follow that podcast at Wake and Rake Pod. That is all together, and you're able to find that podcast wherever you get this podcast. And for Danny Vietti, who is joining me right now, you're able to follow him on Twitter at his name, Danny Vietti, and that last name is spelled V-I-E-T-T-I. Danny, always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I appreciate the plugs. You're always hyping me up whenever I get on this show, so thank you. It is always great to have you aboard, and I know that you're out there in the great state of California. And if you ask me, I think that the best three teams in the National League, they are out west. I do believe that they are the Dodgers along with the San Francisco Giants, which I'm hearing so many people, I don't want to buy in on them. I am still buying in on them. I realize that they want to lose it a couple of days ago against the Texas Rangers, but I take a look at this team. I really love what I'm seeing out of them. And then no question, you've obviously got the San Diego Padres as well. I don't know where you stand on this, but I really do think that the West is really running the National League this year. Yeah, I think as of this point, I would agree with you. Uh, I think the trade deadline is going to be crucial. And even before the trade deadline, because there's a handful of teams, particularly the New York Mets, Atlanta Braves, they could be making some moves and they could really solidify themselves in that NL East division because as of right now, no team's really separating themselves. The Mets are playing well, but their offense still isn't really putting it together. They're hoping to get Noah Syndergaard back at some point. Atlanta, their starting rotation has had issues and injury problems all season long. They have yet to find their groove. So I'm waiting for some team in that National League East division to kind of pull away. But as of right now and as the team stands, I don't see any of those teams really pulling away without making a move first. So it'll be really interesting to see what the NL East does, what the NL Central does. The Cubs are playing really good baseball. But as of right now, I couldn't agree more. The three best teams are in California and four of the best teams in baseball, because you got to include the Oakland A's in that conversation as well, are in California. So the West Coast is vibing, thriving. It's really good to see, especially me being a West Coast guy, it's good to see California baseball be the star of attention. Yeah, it's been great to be able to watch them as for the longest time out there on the West Coast, the only team in the Pacific time zone with a losing record has been the LA Angels, though the Seattle Mariners have fallen on some tough times as well, which I think we both agree, relatively predictable there, as we do have Danny Vietti joined to be on the podcast. And let's go right over there to the ALS, as I do think that it's interesting what we're seeing, because I really do feel like it's two teams out there and then really everyone else. The Oakland A's along with the Houston Astros. With the Astros, I do not agree one bit with the fact that Christian Javier is coming out of the bullpen and they're giving Jake Odorizzi starts. That is just me personally. But I take a look at this Oakland A's team as well. 
I do fear that there might be a little bit of regression because typically when you find a team that is well above 500 and they've got a run differential that is hovering right around 10-ish as we do this podcast, might be a little bit more, might be a little bit less, you might think, hey, they might wind up sinking a little bit, whereas the Houston Astros have won the better run differentials out there in baseball. But I do take a look at this Oakland A's team, and what I really like about them is that it just feels like they've got playmakers in general, and you've got to have that feeling that they're going to get a little bit more healthy out of the bullpen. Although, I will say, I have no idea what they're going to be doing with Jesus Lazardo moving forward. You know, the American League West is kind of in a similar predicament, as I just said, with the NL East. And the only difference is it's a little bit more top-heavy within the American League West, at least from the outside looking in. But when you take a deeper dive and you look down that division, the Los Angeles Angels, albeit without Mike Trout right now due to injury, they're only a few games back, and it looks like six and a half back of that division. Now, it's a bit of a steep hill, but there's plenty of time left. And like I said, they don't have Mike Trout yet, and they've won seven of their last ten games. And then after that, there's Seattle. Seattle was playing better in the first month of the season. They were really, you know, it was early on, but they were fighting for a division lead, whereas now they've taken a bit of a step back. So I think the American League West is very similar to the National League East in that neither the Astros or A's are quite pulling away from everyone else. And the Oakland A's, I mean, we talked about it before the season even started. The Oakland A's are one ace away from being a World Series contender, and they have been for years. They have plenty of talent. Their lineup stacked with Matt Olson. Matt Chapman's not really hitting the ball quite yet, but Ramon Laureano. They got plenty of bats, and their bullpen's going to be one of the best in the league, just like every other year. Now it comes down to the rotation. Chris Bassett, Shamanaya, good pitchers, but who are you going to start on the hill? And like you just said, Hazel's Lazardo. What are we going to get out of Lazardo? Who are you putting on the hill in a winner-take-all wild card game or game seven? And I think right now, that's what Oakland is missing. And so I've been kind of speaking this into existence. I see Max Scherzer out there as being a possible piece landing somewhere in California. Maybe if the Angels can get back into the thick of things, maybe Mike Trout comes back and they can continue to roll. They need a rotation piece. And in the Oakland A's especially, it just comes down to whether they can afford a guy like Max Scherzer for a third or a half of a year because he's making $30-plus million this season. Are they able to afford a guy like Max Scherzer? That's the question to be answered, but I think Max Scherzer would be a great fit for Oakland. Hopefully we do get to see Max Scherzer be on a competitive team when it comes to September because he certainly has been able to put together a nice year, whether that be with the Washington Nationals if they're able to claw their way out there in an NLE set. I still don't know what to make out of it or whether it be with another team. It is going to be fascinating to see what happens there as we do have Danny Vietti of CBS Sports along the Wake and Rake podcast joining me right here. And when you take a look at what we're all seeing in general, we have been seeing, obviously, these things where it's been the year of the pitcher, all these no-hitters, what have you. And we have seen a little bit of a crackdown as well when it comes to some of these foreign substances. It seems like the MOB, for once in their lives, are trying to get out in front of something. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise there. But do you think that this might affect pitchers a little bit because they wound up just implementing it a couple of days ago? I haven't noticed anything from the first couple of games with regards to it. I think it might make a very small difference, but I really think that this is a lot of window dressing, not a lot else. And I don't think that we're going to see any sort of a quantum difference because of some of these substances that are being, I guess, checked for a little bit more often. Yeah, only time will tell. You know, Major League Baseball over the years, frankly, has had very poor leadership. And that's why they're typically behind the eight ball and they're normally following as opposed to leading. We've seen this new implementation 
they're going to start cracking down on substances that they already knew was going on. So far, we haven't really seen that yet. So like I said, time will tell. I think Pete Alonso made a really interesting point. He said there's a correlation between the tampering of baseballs by Major League Baseball and free agency and free agency classes. So to put a little bit of perspective there, if a free agent class is going to have a star-studded pitching lineup or, or pitchers available, guys like Garrett Cole, he's claiming, he said, quote, it is a fact that Major League Baseball has tampered the baseballs if there's going to be a star-studded pitchers class. Major League Baseball has made the balls more hitter-friendly because he's claiming that Major League Baseball is trying to limit the contracts of some of these bigger players. So if you make the balls more lively and Garrett Cole's coming up in free agency and a bunch of other guys, then maybe his numbers aren't quite as impressive. And so he gets less money in free agency. Now, whether you think that's a conspiracy, I don't know. Like I said, this is very fresh and this is just what Pete Alonso answered. And so I'm sure we'll be able to dive into it a little bit more as the days go on. But Interesting perspective. Major League Baseball right now is hitting some rough waters because they've been a mess for years. But with public opinion and social media becoming more and more of a stronger presence, they're being put right in the thick of things and everything's being exposed. And I think it's a good thing for baseball, though, because there's been problems within Major League Baseball for years. And now we're finally starting to call them out on it. Yeah, I do think that it is good that Major League Baseball is taking a stand on something. What sort of difference is going to be made with this? It is to be determined. But to your point, at the very least, we are seeing some action with it. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because I don't think a one or two week sample size is necessarily going to be able to tell you exactly what's going to be happening with it. I do think that it might be more the coming months in which you're able to get a little bit more of what is all going to be to come as we do have Danny Vietti of CBS Sports along with the Wake and Rake podcast joining me on the podcast. And Danny, I know that I was talking about it a little bit earlier with so many people not wanting to buy into the San Francisco Giants and thinking that there might be a little bit of regression there. But I always ask you this on this podcast, is there a team or two that you think has maybe had a little bit of a rough start to the year that is going to be able to pick it up? Or likewise, a team that's gotten off to a very hot start that might wind up going back to the pack a little bit? You know, San Francisco is an interesting case because look at all their numbers across the board. and They don't indicate that they're going to go down. The only thing that indicates that those numbers are going to decline is their age. Guys like Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria. Now, Longoria just hit the IL. That's going to put a little bit of a pause in their momentum here. But with San Francisco, their numbers don't indicate they're going down unless you look at their ages and just assume because they're older, they're going to go down. But San Francisco, they're going to be competitive. I think their ceiling is limited. But that said, they're going to be competitive. Farhan Zaidi is going to put together a competitive team, as he has already this year. I'm looking at St. Louis. St. Louis is really sliding. I know I mentioned that the trade deadline is coming up, and St. Louis has really got an issue with their starting rotation, with Jack Flaherty going on the IL, Miles Michaelis going on the IL, Juan Young Kim. They have three of their starters on the IL right now, and so they're going to be looking somewhere to try and get some rotation help because right now they've lost eight of their last 10 games. All of a sudden, the Cubs are now thriving, and so they're losing traction in that NL Central. So St. Louis is going to be a really interesting case. And Tampa Bay has been rolling. New York's going to have to make moves. I basically just name it team after team because there's a lot of competitive teams that are going to be in the thick of it as we come down the stretch here. 
but I think they're going to have to make a move or two to try and get back up atop on the division standings. I do think that they're going to need to make a move as well. And I do think that the NL wildcard race is really going to be going through the West Coast teams as well. Because if what a lot of people are saying in that the Giants are going to regress a little bit, then it winds up welcoming back in whoever doesn't wind up winning the NL Central out of the Cardinals, Brewers, and Cubs. And then you've also got yourself the Atlanta Braves, who are a team that I find to be very fascinating. They seem to be picking it up a little bit, but a man that never needs to pick it up because he is always firing out cylinders. That'd be you, Danny. You do an absolutely terrific job with the Wake and Rake podcast. You also do just absolutely terrific work in general out there with CBS Sports. list goes on and on. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just what you've all got going on in general. Yeah, I appreciate you, Greg. You can find all my latest on cbssports.com, and you can catch our latest podcasts at Wake and Rake Pod across all streaming platforms, maybe Apple Podcasts, we're on YouTube, TikTok, everything that you have on your phone, you could probably find us. So at Wake and Rake Pod and cbssports.com. And Danny, doing an absolutely terrific job with the podcast, doing absolutely terrific work with CBS Sports just day in and day out being able to cover all that we're seeing in Major League Baseball. And it's kind enough to join this podcast every few weeks as well. So big thanks to Danny for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you a signed journal on every game on the betting board for this Friday. And a little something you like to call, touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to get Danny Vietti of CBS Sports and the Wake and Rake Podcast aboard. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Friday as we... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GRNSquirty1. As per usual, we're going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and then we've got two interleague games that are going to be at the bottom. And then when we go with the separate leagues, it's going to be in time order as well, which means that the first game is going to be the earliest National League game, which is 9-0-1, 9-0-2 on the betting board. You've got the St. Louis Cardinals hitting the road to face off against the Chicago Cubs. Right now, the betting board is to be determined for the Cubs. I am seeing Kyle Hendricks going for the Cubs. Meanwhile, you don't mess with the Johan Oviedo is going to be going for the St. Louis Cardinals. Bookmakers right now do not have a lineup for this one, but I do. Considering it's going to be Kyle Hendricks right now, that is the assumption in this one. I am going to be making the Cubs a favorite of minus 182, and I set this total at 8.1. Now with Kyle Hendricks, he certainly has been a gentleman that has been giving up a lot of hard contact, and you always want to be taking a look at the wind in Wrigley Field as well, because it just plays such a big impact. I know that I was addressing this on the podcast a couple days ago. Wrigley Field is that one ballpark that you really want to be tracking the wind in. And right now, as I'm seeing it, there's going to be very, very minimal wind. If there is wind, it's going to be blowing in, and it's going to be blowing in at less than 5 miles per hour. So it's really not going to have that big of an impact on this game, which is big, because with Kyle Hendricks, when the wind is blowing out, he's been absolutely terrible. He's right now leading the league, giving up 17 home runs in 68 and two-thirds innings. Other than the home runs, he's been good, but obviously when you're giving up more home runs and walks, it's not too terrific. Meanwhile, with you don't mess with the Johan Oviedo, we were talking about it with our good buddy Brendan Schaefer yesterday. 
Feels like in every one of his starts, he's going between four and five innings, and he's giving up three runs. He's got a 5.25 ERA so far this year. He has made six total appearances, five of which have been starts. He has given up four home runs in 24 innings. He has given up a bunch of walks as well. He's given up in the realm of about six walks per nine innings. And this is a Chicago Cubs team that they're just so much better home to road. 21-10 and 10 at home, losing record on the road. And when you take a look at a lot of these guys, they've been able to do a good job of being able to put up some power numbers. Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, all are giving you a double-digit amount of homers. Now, you do realize with the Chicago Cubs that there are a couple guys that are dealing with injury, especially Javi Baez, who's right now day-to-day. But at the same time, Patrick Wisdom, he has been full of wisdom for your bankroll. It's absolutely amazing what we are seeing from him right now. 44 at-bats and 8 home runs. I don't think I've ever seen that before. You've also got a guy that's able to do a solid job of being able to get on base for you. And Matt Duffy who has been seeing a couple of bats as well. And then when you take a look at the flip side for the St. Louis Cardinals, really the non-issue for the team is the top lineup because Dylan Carlson, Tommy Edmond, they've been able to do a good job, both of these guys, hitting between a 270 and a 280. I do like what I'm getting there. Meanwhile, you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Nolan Arenado and Tyler O'Neill. Both guys hitting between a 280 and a 292. Both guys double-digit amount of homers, including O'Neill, 15 home runs. Paul Goldschmidt, he's hitting at 250 right now, but you got to figure that he's going to be able to pick it up. Yadier Molina has a 320 on base. Matt Carpenter is just a little bit washed up, but Imando Sosa able to give you a little bit of something for the Cardinals. The bullpen has been up and down, but you've got a couple trustworthy guys. When you get into the untrustworthy guys, that's where things get dicey, but Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, these guys have been very good, and then you got Alex Reyes, who has a sub-1 ERA, and for the Cubs, the entire bullpen has been very good. This is a bunch in which they've got a bullpen ERA right around a 1-2 over the last three days. It has been amazing because you've got Craig Kimbrell looking like the Craig Kimbrell of old, Rex Brothers, Andrew Chafin, these guys have been able to come through. Dylan Maples has been solid. Even a guy like Dan Winkler has been able to step up and give you some good innings, so this is a spot in which if it is what I think it's going to be with Hendricks versus Oviedo. Going to be saying this total 8.1, which means that 8 or lower going to be taking a look at the over. 8 and 4 I are going to be taking a look at the under. And like I said, going to be saying the Cubs as right in the neighborhood of about a minus 180-ish favorite, probably a little bit more. 903-904 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants at throw to face off against the Washington Nationals. With yesterday's game getting postponed, we're going to get the same matchup that we were supposed to be getting yesterday as Anthony D. Scalfani going to be going for the San Francisco Giants. Meanwhile, Matt Max Scherzer is going to be on the bump for the Washington Nationals. A lot of books have yet to put out a line on this game because it is a little bit of a switcheroo. I know that the Westgate currently has this as the Nationals being a minus 174 favorite, a plus 162 for the Giants. So on the game is 7.5 over as use of minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you take a look at where things were at when this game went off the board, you were finding the Giants right in that neighborhood of about a plus 148 to a plus 163 underdog, and you were finding the Nationals between minus 170 and minus 180, so that's relatively in line there, and with these prices, I'm going to be taking a look at the Giants. Pretty much anything above a plus 140 is going to be a take there, and with this total, I wound up setting mine at 7.8, so a 7.5 like we're seeing right now, I'd be taking a look at the over, pretty much an 8 or higher is when I'd be taking a look at the under in this spot, and really the handicap hasn't changed too much. With Max Scherzer, he has been giving up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings, but other than that, he's been pretty rock solid, and I will say the Nationals bullpen has been able to pick it up a little bit for this team. You do like what you're getting out of Brandon. He's going to be available in this one. Kyle Finnegan had a rough start to the year, but he's going to be out there. He's going to be able to give you some innings. Danny Hudson as well, but then you get into the untrustworthy guys, like 
Wander, I swear, oh, this guy sucks. Paolo Espeno has actually been halfway decent, and then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. This is a team that they did have to use their bullpen quite a bit in that series against the Texas Rangers, and now you're going to get some reinforcements with this team. You're going to have guys like Dominique Leon, Zach Liddell, even a guy like a Connor Menez who's going to be available in this game as well. And for Scalfani, he had one really bad start against the Dodgers, in which I believe that he wound up giving up 10 runs, but Bass said he's been pretty rock solid and on the road, 263 ERA across seven starts. He's been giving up a little bit over a home run per nine innings, but he's been able to do a good job of limiting the contact as well. Opponents hitting 2-0-1 off of him. And for the Washington Nationals, this is a team in which it just feels like they're straining a whole bunch of men on base. You've got Trey Turner down for what? Giving you a double-digit amount of home runs, hitting a 300. Ryan Zimmerman, Juan Soto, pair of guys that are hitting for eight home runs so far this year. Zimmerman, 295 batting average. Juan Soto, north of a 4 on base, but you need a little bit more power there. You've got a guy like a Jan Gomes who's hitting a 250. Sarlon Castro is in that bucket as well. You've had a couple guys be able to get on base like a Victor Robles, but batting average has not been there for him. Kyle Schwarber, Josh Bell, and then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. Buster Posey, just absolutely amazing for this team. He's cranking out a home run every 13 or so ish at bats. He's been able to, well above a 300 for this team. Brandon Crawford has been able to lace 14 home runs. He's hitting in the neighborhood of about a 260. And then you've got other guys that are starting to pick it up as well. After a rough start to begin the year, you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Wilmer Flores. A lot of these guys on the Giants that are like Flores that have like a 225-ish batting average. They've got like a 315 on base. They've been able to do a solid job with that regard. I take a look at something like Steven Duger hitting a 300. That's very good. Donovan Solano's been able to give you some good at-bats. Lamonte Wade has a 390 on base. So, I do think that the Giants should be an underdog here, but I feel like this is a little bit too much. I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the San Francisco Giants. And just like I was doing yesterday, going to be taking the over as well. 905, 906 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves at the road to face off against the Miami Marlins. One, Sandy Alcantara is going to be going for the fish. Meanwhile, you've got Charlie Morton on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. Braves are finding themselves as a bit of a favorite here. You're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 126 and minus 132. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the fishies. You're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 114 and plus 120. Your total game is between 7 and 7.5. And on the 7 overs, anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Unders, anywhere between even at plus 105. Meanwhile, on the 7.5, pretty much you just flip it. The 7.5 has under juice anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Overs, anywhere between even and plus 105. And when I take a look at this one, I do think that the Atlanta Braves are going to be able to get a little bit of something here out of Charlie Morton. It's been interesting to watch him so far this year because he's got a 421 ERA, yet has been able to post up a 5-2 record, and you take a look at his splits, he has actually been very solid on the road. 347 ERA across four starts. He has given up right around .8-ish home runs per nine innings, so that's all. And meanwhile, at home, he's got more like a 460 ERA. Meanwhile, you take a look at Sandy Alcantara. He certainly has not been able to get too many wins so far this year, but he has been able to go out there, and he's been able to do a great job night in and night out, and he's been much more comfortable at home. 3-5 record, but a 3-30 ERA at home so far this year. 2-29 ERA across six starts. He has given up less than a home run per nine innings. Opponents are earning a buck 79 off of him. This is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, and when you take a look at the Atlanta Braves, you just need a little bit more of something with this team. The bullpen winds up letting them down. Yesterday, you've got A.J. Minter along with Luke Jackson, Edgar Santana, and Chris Barton that all wound up getting used up. And for the Atlanta Braves, I do like the fact that Abraham Almonte is be able to step in with right around a 270 batting average north of a 400 on base, you've been able to get a lot out of Austin Riley sitting at 300. Ozzy Albies is picking it up as well. 260 batting average. Ronald Lacuna Jr., 18 home runs. 
390 on base. Freddie Freeman hit a big home run yesterday that wound up going off or not. He's got right around a 350 on base. He's been able to give you 14 home runs, but then you take a look at the flip side for the Miami Marlins. They were able to do a very good job of having a get-right spot against the Colorado Rockies. Whenever you're able to get the Rockies and you are the home team, that is always going to bode very well for you as Jazz Chislam is sitting in the neighborhood of a 275 for this team. You've got Corey Dickerson along with Aces Aguiar hitting between a 265 and a 270. And for Aguiar, he has done a great job of being able to pump out the RBI, 47 of them. You've got the Marte Parte of Starling Marte, who winds up going deep yesterday. He's got a 450 on base. Then some of the lesser guys, like a Jorge Alfaro, has been able to step up. Jose Devers has given you a couple good at-bats. So you take a look at that. That's relatively positive for the Miami Marlins. They were able to rest quite a bit of their bullpen pieces yesterday as well. So guys like Dylan Floro, Yimi Garcia, Zach Pop, they're all going to be available in this spot. I wound up saying the Braves as a very slight favorite. I was willing to take them up to a minus 108. So seeing the Miami Marlins, at north of a plus 110, I'm going to be taking them. And then when it comes to this total, I wound up setting this one personally at a 7.6. So I'm seeing the 7.5 with no juice whatsoever, getting actually a little bit of a plus price to go over. We're going to be taking that to go along with the Miami Marlins. We've got my New York Post play today as we've got 907, 908 on the banging board. The New York Metropolitans are going to be playing us the San Diego Padres. Blake Snell is going to be going for the pods. One Jacob de Grom is going to be going for the Metropolitans. Mets are finding themselves anywhere between minus 158 and minus 164 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Padres, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 140 and plus 152. Your total is anywhere between 5.5 and 6 on the 5.5 over as juice anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even and minus 105 on the 6. Unders minus 120. The over is even. New York Postal today is not necessarily one that I had to think about too much. We're going with the New York Mets on the money line. I know that it's boring. I know that it's not necessarily out there or anything like that. But you just take a look at what Jacob McGrom is doing. I mean, why mess with a profit? This guy has been so tremendous. 0.62 ERA. You saw in his last start that the Mets were willing to trot him out there a little bit longer as he was really able to eat innings for them. Went 7 complete, 11 strikeouts against this very same Padres team. And you take a look at what he's been able to do in general. I believe that he has given up one run or fewer in every one of his starts so far this year. Yeah, he's given up a grand total of four runs this year. It's just absolutely insane. And then you take a look at Blake Snell. He is a former Cy Young Award winner, which is terrific. What's not terrific is what he's been able to do on the road so far this year. 970 road ERA in six starts. He has been walking the world whenever he's been on the road. Eight walks per nine innings. It has not been terrific. And for the Padres, bullpen has been tremendous. They've got the number one bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. But the Mets, they're number seven with that regard. And their bullpen is number two with regards to home runs allowed per nine innings. So they're doing a great job with that regard. And for the Mets, they are getting back a lot of their pieces. Pete Alonso wound up having a very nice series against the Baltimore Orioles. You now wind up being able to get back Kevin Pillar as well. That is going to be able to help out this team moving forward. They're getting a little bit of something out of Mason Williams in center field as well. Jonathan Villar has been able to pick it up. Francisco Lindor no longer hitting below the Mendoza line as well. And then you take a look at the Padres. It's been a little bit tough for them. 10 out of their 11 games so far this month, they have scored four runs or fewer. Now you've got Fernando Tatis Jr. doing Fernando Tatis Jr. things. He's got right around a 360 on base, 17 home runs. He has been amazing. But you take a look at a lot of these guys. Tommy Pham, Manny Machado, Victor Garantini, Jerickson Profar. All these guys are in between a 222 and a 235. I recognize that they're able to reach base, but you know what Jacob DeGrom doesn't do? 
walk guys north of a 10 strikeout to walk rate as well that's really going to hurt them you've got Eric Cosmer who's been able to do a solid job but be able to get on base this is just a in Jacob deGrom situation I trust I do think that the Padres are going to wind up giving up quite a few runs as well because with Blake Sell he's not offering any length when he's on the road as well I want him saying the total at 6.3 so I'm going to be going over once again realize that it's not necessarily the most out there thing in the world but I feel good about this one. New York Post play of the day. Mets on the money line. 909-910 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies hit the road face off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati and they're on to Tyler Molly getting the start. Meanwhile, Kyle Freeland is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies. Rockies anywhere between plus 188 and plus 195 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Red Legs, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 208 and minus 215. I'm looking at the run line here of the Reds. I'm currently finding that right around a minus 115 to a minus 120. More than willing to take that with the Red Legs. They have been a up and down team so far this year, but with the Colorado Rockies, they've won five road games so far this year. They wind up getting pounded on the road by the Miami Marlins yesterday. This is a team that in true road games, they're hitting right around the Mendoza line of 200. It is nice that Charlie Blackman has been able to do a little bit of something for you, and now you've got Trevor Story off the injured list, so you've got Trevor Story, Ryan McMahon, a pair of guys hitting between a 250 and a 260 for the team, and Jonathan Daza has been able to step up, hitting a 320 overall for the team, but that dips significantly whenever he's on the road, and then you take a look at Josh Fuentes, guy that's hitting a 250 for the year, which sounds relatively respectable. But if you take a look at him at home, hitting above a 3-error on the road south of the Mendoza line of 200. That is not necessarily too terrific. And then with the Colorado Rockies, this bullpen is a mess right now. You wind up having to use Ulysse Jassin out of it. I do not know why Yancey Almonte is currently on the roster. He has north of a 10 ERA. Daniel Bart has been able to give you a little bit of something. Lucas Gilbreath, not a guy that I have a lot of faith in. You've got Robert Stevenson who's been able to give you a couple innings, but it's not been good for them. Meanwhile, with the Cincinnati Reds, no question this is not a great bullpen. I'm not going to try to sell you that they are, but you've got a guy in TJ Antone who's able to give you some good, solid innings. I like what you've been able to get out of Lucas Sims. He was used up yesterday, but only for nine pitches, so he could conceivably come back. And for the Cincinnati Reds, this is a team that at home, averaging right in the neighborhood of about 5.7 runs per game. You've got Jesse Winker and Nick Cassianos, pair of guys with a 413 on base, both inning above a 345. Winker has 17 home runs so far this year. Cassianos has been able to give you 12. You've also got a guy in Taylor Naquin who seems to be hitting all of his home runs at home. He has been able to hit right in the neighborhood about a 250 along Jonathan. India, India, 360 on base. Joey Votto is back in the fold for this team. Not necessarily getting the best so far this year, but it's a small sample size because he was banged up quite a bit. I take a look at this Colorado Rockies team. Just how anemic they've been on the road. It's really hard to back them unless if you're getting a massive plus price. And I do recognize that this is a relatively solid plus price, but if you want to getting plus 200 on the Colorado Rockies in every one of their road games, considering they're 5-24 right now, you'd still be very, very far from profitable. And for Tyler Molly, he does have his walks issues, but at the same time, He's been able to keep the ball in the yard right around one home run per nine innings, 62 and a third innings, giving up seven home runs to 20 walks. That puts him right around three-ish per nine innings, but nearly 11 punch-outs per nine innings. I just think that the Rockies are going to have another terrible effort on the road, so we are going to be looking at the run line of the Cincinnati Reds, especially with Kyle Freeland. Coming back, he's got a 623 ERA. You just look throughout his career. He has not necessarily been too terrific on the road last season. He wound up actually having more like a 4-2-ish ERA on the road, but you go back to 2019. 
This is a gentleman that went 1-7 and seven on the road, so this is going to be a very bad situation for he, the bullpen in general. And when it comes to this total, I think that's going to be really intriguing to see what happens. I wound up sending it at 8.5 because I just don't think the Rockies are going to be able to do their part. So, Reds run line and the under the play here. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing us the Pittsburgh Pirates. J.C. Young is going to be going for the Buckos. Meanwhile, Brandon Woodruff is going to be on the bump for the Brewers. Brewers are finding themselves anywhere between minus 250 and minus 270 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Buckos, and we're between plus 220 and plus 242, 7.5 is the total. Over and under, anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. I set the Brewers right around a minus 260 favorite, and if you take a look at the run line, you're currently finding that as good as a minus 118 if you're out there on the East Coast. I'm even seeing a couple straight minus 115s, and that is certainly going to be a take for me. I wound up setting this run line more around a minus 135 with the Milwaukee Brewers with Brandon Woodruff. He has been absolutely masterful. Give it up two runs or fewer in every one of his starts ever since opening day. He has been able to post up a buck 42 ERA. He's giving up right around a half home run per nine innings, two walks per nine innings as well, and he's going up against a guy in Chase Young who has made two starts so far this year. He winds up giving up five runs in five innings against the Miami Marlins. He winds up giving up one run in five innings against the Colorado Rockies, but keep in mind, he was at home in that one, and the Colorado Rockies can't do anything on the road. This is someone that I think is going to get lit up. I recognize that the Brewers lineup, not necessarily too terrific, but it's starting to come around. They have scored at least five runs in, I believe now, five out of their last eight games. You got Christian Yelich, who just hasn't necessarily done a lot for the team. You expect a little bit more than a 234 batting average with three home runs, but it seems like he's starting to get to his old self. He's able to get on base for you. Omir Narvaez has nearly a 400 on base. Now, you've got a lot of slugs in this lineup as well. Luis Urias, Daniel Vogelback. Daniel Robertson, Tyrone Taylor, along with Manny Pina, Jackie Bradley Jr., Jace Peterson, all guys hitting at 227 or lower, but at the same time, obviously, Elgars. He has been able to give you a double-digit amount of home runs. He has been relatively solid for the team. Willie Adamas, ever since he came over from the Tampa Bay Rays, he has been good as well with the Brewers. You also back up Brandon Woodruff with, in my opinion, the best eighth and ninth inning duo out there in baseball. Devin Williams, along with Josh Hader. Then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bullpen has actually been solid. Kyle Crick, Richard Rodriguez. Guys like this have been able to come in. They certainly have been able to do their job. Even a guy like Clay Holmes has been able to turn the corner for this team, but you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. Top of the lineup is actually good. Brian Reynolds, Cabrian Hayes, Adam Frazier. All guys with at least a 389 on base. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Colin Moran ever since he's come back as well. Got a pair of guys with Philip Evans, Jacob Sellings hovering right around a 325 on base, but Eric Gonzalez, Kaye Tom, Kevin Newman, Gregory Padalanco, Ben Gamble. A lot of guys hitting at 220 or lower and for the Pittsburgh Pirates they're a team that they're second worst in the league at being able to get home runs as well they're having a face off against a guy in Brandon Woodruff that is going to overmatch them for the Pirates they have scored three runs or fewer in I believe now 12 out of their last 16 games it has not been good for them I think that the Brewers are going to be able to completely overpower this team so that this total at 7.3 I just don't think that the Pirates are going to be able to get much off of Woodruff so I'm going to be taking this total under and I'm going to be taking the Brewers on the run line we move on to 9-13 9-14 on the Bang board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing us the Baltimore Orioles. Keegan Aiken is going to be going for the Orioles. Meanwhile, Ryan Yarbrough is on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are finding themselves as favorites here. Anywhere between minus 150 and minus 165. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Orioles, anywhere between plus 131 and plus 151. Toss game is 8 over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 minus 115. And for the Orioles, I wound up setting them as a $2 underdog. I have absolutely no faith in them whatsoever. I think that this is a very, very cheap price on the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, I do recognize that Ryan Yarbrough has a significantly better record 
injured when a opener winds up coming in from, but he's also coming off of a complete game, and he seems to be putting it together as a starter. So far this year for Yarbrough, he's given up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings, but also giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings. You take a look at Keegan Aiken. Yeah, he's got a 3.60 ERA, but at the same time, this is a guy that, in my opinion, has gotten very, very lucky. He's also faced off against some less than seller competition recently as well. He was able to go five scoreless against the Cleveland Indians, and he's backed up by a bullpen that's very shaky. You've been able to get a lot of something out of Cole Souls or a long Tanner Scott, but... We are noticing that regression is coming for Cesar Valdez. Dylan Tate has been a little bit up and down for this team. Adam Pluto as a long guy has been good, but then with the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got guys like Pete Fairbanks, Diego Casio, J.P. Fireeyes, and Ryan Sheriff. List goes on and on. Andrew Kittrich that are able to give you a whole bunch of good innings. The Tampa Bay Rays just flat out own the Baltimore Orioles whenever they are at the trop as well. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, got a lot of guys that are doing a great job of being able to just find a way on base. I do recognize that strikeouts are always a little bit of a concern for this lineup of Yandy Diaz right around a 400 on base. You've got Austin Meadows, Randy Orozarena, Joey Wendell, all guys with between a 340 and a 350 on base for Meadows. 14 home runs so far this year. Wound up having a very nice hot streak about two weeks ago in which he wound up hitting six home runs in nine games as well. Mark Brasso has not been able to pick it up around long Brandon Lau, but at the same time, Mike Zanino has been able to give you a double-digit amount of home runs as well. Francisco Mejia has been able to do a solid job at the catcher spot as well. And then with the Baltimore Orioles, this is a team that they have been able to generate a lot of runs. I do give them some credit there. Pretty much in all of their games, someone is scoring double digits, whether it be they or their opponent, unfortunately. Cedric Mullins hitting right around a 325, nearly a 400 on base. He has been able to do a good job. Trey Boom Boom Mancini, Anthony Santander. Pair of guys hitting between a 268 and a 278 for Trey Boom Boom Mancini. 11 home runs so far this year. Freddie Galvis, 255 batting average along with Ryan Mountcastle. But then you've got DJ Stewart, Mikel Franco, Stevie Wilkerson, Austin Wins, Chance Sisko, Pafaleka. Whole bunch of guys hitting a 220 or lower for this team. So that is certainly going to affect them. I want up saying the Rays as a very substantial favorite. I'm seeing a plus price on them on the run line. I am certainly going to be taking that. And with this total, I want up setting it at 8.8 because I do recognize the fact that the Orioles are starting to pick it up a little bit with their offense. But at the same time, I think that Aiken is going to get crushed as well. So taking the over along with the Rays on the run line. 915-916 on the bang board. The Detroit Tigres are going to be playing us to Chicago White Sox. Lucas Gilito is going to be going for the White Sox. Derek Scoobal is on the bump for Detroit. Your total is anywhere between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8th, the over is anywhere between minus 1.5 and minus 1.20. The under is anywhere between even and minus 1.15. On the 8.5, you're finding that under at minus 1.15, the over at minus 1.05. And if you're looking at the White Sox, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 173 and minus 175. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Detroit Tigers, you're going to be finding them at a pretty big plus price here. Anywhere between plus 145 and plus 158. And for Tariq Skubal, he's given up two runs or fewer. Now five out of his last six starts. And the Detroit Tigers offense has been able to give you a little bit of something recently, which you do like to see. For the Detroit Tigers, it's not like this is a team that is going to be mashing or anything like that. You don't have a single guy that is giving you a double-digit amount of home runs until yesterday with Jonathan Scope being able to reach at 10 mark. Robbie Grossman has been able to give you eight home runs as well. So these guys are starting to pick it up for the team. Grossman, a 355 on base. Scope, more around a 265 batting average along with Eric Haas as well. Akil Badu has been able to get on base with a 340 on base. Now you've got quite a few guys that they 
need to pick it up. You've got like Daz Cameron, Isaac Paredes, Nico Goodrum, Willie Castro, a bunch of guys hitting a 200 lower. Miguel Cabrera, I'm looking at you. Big giant waste of money right now, but with that said for the Detroit Tigers, bullpen has also been very brutal so far this year, and they had to use up pretty much a bullpen game yesterday. So guys like Joey Menes, Gregory Soto, guys like this, they wind up getting used up yesterday, but at the same time, it's not like their bullpen was great to start with. There's not necessarily a big drop-off between any of these guys, and they're going to be facing off against someone in Lucas Giolito, who has been having his walks issues. Just below four walks per nine innings so far this year. He has a 5-5 five five record, and he's been giving up the hard contact. Right around 1.8-ish home runs per nine innings. Last time he wanted facing off against the Tigers, he allowed four runs, three homers, in the course of seven innings. He's been able to eat innings, but at the same time, he hasn't necessarily been too terrific in eating them. Now, with the White Sox, they have been able to pound left-handed pitching. 27-4 and four in their last 31 games, but you do take a look at this team. It's not like they're getting a bunch of homers. It's really just being able to get on base for this team. As you've got Tim Anderson, Yerman Mercedes, Yohan Moncada, Nick Madrigal, a quadrant of guys hitting between a 285 and a 300. All these guys, really other than Anderson with north of a 350 on base, so I do give them credit. Yohan Moncada, more on a 413 on base. Jose Abreu has been able to do a good job. He'll be able to drive him in. 46 RBI so far this season, but he's been stuck on that for quite a while. Looks like he got one or two yesterday, but still he's been in a little bit of a funk. Daniel Mendick has been tough at the bottom of the lineup. And yes, Monty Grandal. Right now, it's a buck 62 batting average with a 400 on base, which I don't think I've ever seen before. And for the White Sox, the bullpen has been a little bit underachieving so far this year. Liam Hendricks has been good for this team after a little bit of a tough start to begin the year. You've been able to get a little bit more out of some of these guys like an Evan Marshall. Cody Hewer has been solid along with Jose Ruiz, but there are quite a few guys that have not necessarily been able to live up to their billing. And I do think that this is a spot in which... The White Sox should be a relatively sizable favorite. I do like the way that the Detroit Tigers have been able to come on recently, but the question is, do you want to lay the run line, in my opinion? With the White Sox, I set them as a minus 116 on the run line. I'm seeing this as good as a minus 105, so I'm going to wind up taking it personally. I know I wound up making a nice case for the Detroit Tigers, but with that said, it is still the Detroit Tigers, and with this total, I did wind up setting it more in the realm of about a 7.2, because I do think that Scooble is going to be able to give you a little bit of something. I just don't think that the bullpen is going to be able to hold up from there. So we're going to be taking this total under to go along with the Chicago White Sox on the run line. 917-918 on the main board. The Cleveland Indians are going to be playing also the Seattle Mariners. Justin Gitterdon is going to be going for the Mariners. Aaron Savali is going to be on the bump for the Cleveland Indians. Indians are finding themselves as favorites here. Anywhere between minus 152 and minus 162. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the M's, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 135 and plus 146. Your tallest game is between an 8.5 and, and a 9. On the 8.5, over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 110. On the 9, under is minus 120. And the over is even. And when I take a look at this one, I wound up saying the Seattle Mariners more around a plus 170 underdog. So it is a little bit of a tough situation here because with Justin Dunn, I do like the way that he's been able to perform so far this year, but he is coming off the injured list as well. Last time that we wound up seeing Justin Dunn was out there in the month of May. So he is going to have a little bit of something there. And I just feel like he's been getting really lucky. He has given up at least two walks in each out of his last five starts. And you take a look at him for his career. He's been giving up over six walks per nine innings. He's got a home runs per nine rate hovering right around a 1.4. 
He's just been very lucky to get out of a lot of these situations, pulling off a bunch of Udiniacs, and I can legitimately say the same about Aaron Savali. He's got an 8-2 record, despite the fact that he's given up about 1.45 home runs per nine innings. Now, he doesn't walk anyone. Two walks per nine innings, but he's also getting right around 6.1, 6.2 strikeouts per nine innings, so I don't see how he's been able to acquire this record, and for Savali, regression has set in from. He's given up at least four runs, and now three out of his last five games, and yet the team has still been able to win a lot of those starts, which I find to be absolutely amazing. When you take a look at this Cleveland Indians lineup, you have a couple guys that are doing a good job of being able to reach base for this team. The Ramirez's Jose and Harold have really been the spark plugs for this team. For Harold Ramirez, right around a 275 batting average. For Jose, right around a 265 with 14 home runs. You then have a mid Rosario along Josh Naylor. A pair of guys hitting between a 250 and a 260 frame. Mel Reyes still out the fold for this team, but Cesar Hernandez has been able to give you a little bit of something with regards to on base percentage. But then you've got a bunch of guys like Austin Edges, Yu Chang, Bradley Zimmer. Jake Bowers, all guys hitting at 200 or lower for this team. I was expecting a little bit more out of Eddie Rosario this year as well. He's hitting right around at 245. And then when you take a look at the flip side for the Seattle Mariners, you've got half a lineup that's hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Jared Kelnick was so bad that he was sent back down to the minor leagues because he was hitting like a 100, literally a 100. You've got Donovan Walton, Tyler Trammell. Now they actually acquired Jake Bowers, apparently, so you can throw him off the Cleveland Indians. He's now on the Seattle Mariners with his buck 92 batting average, which I find to be absolutely hilarious. Tom Murphy, Kyle Seeger, all guys hitting at 215 or lower for this team. And then you're able to throw in there a couple other guys like Jorge Mamalois that really don't play. Now, Jake Fraley has been able to hit right around at 265 for this team in limited opportunities. J.P. Crawford at the top, hitting at 270. And Mitch Haniger is a guy that had like two home runs yesterday, 16 overall for the season. But really, other than Haniger, it hasn't been too terrific after the Seattle Mariners. They wind up having to go through quite a few bullpen pieces yesterday. And the bullpen in general has right around a 5-5 ERA over the last 30 days. It has been failing them ever since Kendall Graveman wound up going on the injured list. Rafael Montero done as he's been too terrific. And if the Indians do have something going for them, they've got a very good bullpen. Emmanuel Clace, James Karinchek, Phil Mayton, Nick Sandlin, Brian Shaw have all been good. Nick Wickren got off to a rough start this year. He's starting to pick it up. So I do take a look at this spot, and I think that it's going to be a tough one for Justin Dunn. I don't think that he's going to be able to go his full allotment of innings. And if he does, regression is going to set him from. I'm looking at the Indians. I'm seeing that plus 125 run online. It is certainly calling my name in this one, so we are going to be taking a look at that. And when it comes to the total, I do recognize that the Indians, not necessarily a world beater when it comes to offense. I wound up setting the total at 8.2 as a result, so we're going to be going with the under along with that Indians run line. We move on to 919, 920 on the betting board. The Toronto aka Buffalo Blue Jays hit the road face off against the Boston Red Sox. Garrett Richards is going to be going for the Sox. Ross Rippling is going to be on the bump for the Jays. Total on this game is 9.5 over and under. Anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. If you you're looking at the Red Sox. Anywhere between minus 122 and minus 126 is what you're laying there. Meanwhile, on the Blue Jays, getting between plus 112 and plus 115 for Stripling. He's just given up a lot of hard contact, and he's facing off against the Boston Red Sox team that, contrary to popular belief, it's not necessarily the home run ball that's getting it done for them. They just are in the top two with regards to pretty much every on-base and batting average metric out there, which has been 
incredibly impressive for them. You take a look at this Blue Jays lineup. They themselves have been able to do a great job. How about Vlad Guerrero Jr.? 440 on base, 18 home runs. You've got Marcus Simeon, Bo Bichette, Randall Gritchick, all guys that have been able to give you at least 11 home runs. All these guys hitting at minimum a 270. It has been really good to be able to see them step up, especially Simeon, who has been able to give the team 13 home runs north of 30 RBI. You've been able to get something out of Teoscar Hernandez, 350 on base, right around a 290 batting average, and even guys like a Lord's Guriel, a Joe Panic. These guys have been able to give you some good at-bats towards the bottom of the lineup. Meanwhile, when you take a look at what you're able to get out of the Boston Red Sox, the hitting has certainly been on point for this team. The pitching yesterday certainly was not, as both the Astros and the Red Sox got north of a touchdown yesterday. But you've got J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, pair of guys with north of a 375 on base, north of 300 batting averages. Hunter Renfro, Christian Vasquez, pair of guys hitting between a 255 and a 265. Christian Arroyo has been able to do a good job for this team. Kike Hernandez seems to be getting into one of his hot streaks. Alice Verdugo hitting a 285 for this team. Rafael Devers, double-digit amount of homers, nearly a 350 on base for him. So, you got a whole lot of something there. Now with the Boston Red Sox, they were unable to get five innings out of Eduardo Rodriguez, so Darwinson Hernandez, Manny Adris, have to get used up out of the bullpen. You've got Hiro Kazu Sawamura, Garrett Woodlock, still some pretty solid pieces. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, this is a bullpen that at the beginning of the year was very good, but due to injuries to guys like Julia Merriweather, I know that A.J. Cole's been banged up all year. It's been tough. Joel Payampas has been solid, but Tim Meza right now has an ERA that's hovering right around six. Carl Edwards Jr. is up a good all year long. Rafael Dolis hovering right around a 4-5-ish with his ERA as well, so I think it's going to be a little bit tough when you trot out there a guy in Ross Tripling that has been giving up over two home runs per nine innings over the last two years. It has not been good for him to say the least. He's rocking a 471 ERA as a 140 whip, and he's legitimately lucky that he doesn't have a worse ERA. And the same goes for Garrett Richards. If you want to watching him on Sunday Night Baseball, he looked terrible. He's given up four and a half walks per nine innings, but he's kept the ball in the yard, giving up right around .8 home runs per nine innings. But when I take a look at Garrett Richards as well, this is someone that has a home ERA of a 638, a 289 road ERA, and he just has not been able to locate whenever he's been at home. He's given up right around seven walks per nine innings, and opponents are ending at 300 off of him. So, I do think that this is going to be a relatively high-scoring game. I set this total a little bit north of 10. I would need a 10.5 to start even considering the under in this spot. So, we're going to be going over. I want to saying the Red Sox as a minus 136 favorite as well. I just like their offense a little bit more, and I do think that they're going to get something out of the bullpen. So, going Red Sox and over. 921-922 on the bag board. The Minnesota Twins are going to be playing against the Houston Astros. Jose Arikini is going to be going for the Astros. Matt Shoemaker is on the bump for the Minnesota Twins. Total is anywhere between 10.5 and, and 11. On the 10.5, over is juice of minus 115, under is minus 105. You've got an 11 with an under at minus 120, and the over at even. And with the Astros, and between minus 148 and minus 151. The Minnesota Twins, and between plus 135 and plus 141. I do recognize that Matt Shoemaker is not necessarily too terrific, but... We've got a situation here in which the total seems to be a little bit too high. I literally had to do a double take when I saw the 10.5s and 11s to make sure that this game was not being played out there at a different ballpark because as we know, out there in the lovely state of Minnesota, Target Field, it's very pitcher-friendly and we're seeing totals of 10.5 to 11. Now with the Houston Astros, they are matching. They score north of a touchdown in all three of their games against the Boston Red Sox. This is a bunch of they've scored at least six runs and now five out of their last six games, but come on. I mean, I take a look at this Houston Astros team. Got a lot of guys doing a great job for this team. Michael Brantley, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, 
Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, all these guys hitting at least a 285. Still, these are some pitchers that have some pride over here. And then you've got Kyle Tucker doing a good job for this team. Double-digit amount of homers. He's been able to pick it up with more around a 325 on base, 260-ish batting average. Martin Maldonado has done absolutely nothing along Taylor Jones. But by and large, very good lineup here for the Astros. And I do recognize that the Astros bullpen has not necessarily been too terrific. Inoli Paredes, winds up getting used up yesterday. Brandon Belak, the Long guy had to come in yesterday. That's not good when you've got a Zach Granke start, but Jose Urquidy has actually been a very solid starter for this team. 4-3 and three record, 376 ERA. Is he giving up a little bit of hard contact? Yes, right around 1.4 to 1.5 home runs per nine innings. Road ERA is hovering right around a 475, but at the same time, he throughout his career has been a pretty steady Eddie guy, and you take a look at Matt Shoemaker. He has been terrible. No fans are buts about it. 728 ERA. You take a look at him. He has given up at least five runs in three out of his last five starts, but at the same time, he's given up a combined one home run in his last four starts as well, so at the very minimum, he's limiting our contact. You take a look at this Minnesota Twins team. They are a team that they don't necessarily have a great bullpen. Cody Sashek just has not been able to get the job done for the team. Alex Colome has been a very hot mess. It looks like Sashek probably won't even be available for this series. But you've got Enzo Robles, Taylor Rogers. These guys are able to give you something. Griffin Jacks has actually proven himself to be a good long guy. Luke Farrell's able to give you a tad bit of something as well with Urtikiti. He's always had a little bit of an issue with command on the road. Right around a strikeout to walk rate in the neighborhood of two on the road at home. That's more like 10, which I find to be very fascinating. And for the Minnesota Twins, you've got Miguel Sano who's been able to give you nine home runs over the last month. He has been able to do a solid job there. You're getting back some of your pieces and the younger guys, like an Alex Kurloff a Trevor Larnage. These guys are now hitting above a 255. They're getting on base for you, which I think is really helping this team out. And Dalton Simmons has been able to give you a little bit of something now. Gilberto Celestino being currently at the major league level is currently befuddling to me. He made a bunch of errors out there in center field, which wound up costing them a game about a week or so ago. I think that that was against the Royals. And he is hitting below a 100, so that makes no sense. But you've got Josh Allenson, 342 on base. He's got some pop in the bat. Ore Palunco has been able to give you a tad bit of something. Nelson Cruz is a relatively solid player as well. I think that the Minnesota Twins are going to start to turn it around a little bit. I set them personally as a plus 130 underdog in this one, so getting as good as a plus 141, I'm going to wind up taking that in. This total is just way too high for being target field. We're going to be going with the under along with the Twins. 923-924 on the main board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing OC Kansas City Royals. Brady Singer is going to be going for the Royals. Cole Irvin is going to be on the bump for the Oakland A's. The A's are finding themselves anywhere between minus 136 and minus 143 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Royals, anywhere between plus 122 and plus 128. Your total is 8.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 105. Seeing a straight 8 out there as well. 8 as juice of minus 115 to the over. Under is minus 105. For Cole Irvin, he had lost each out of his last five starts for the team prior to his last start, so he has not necessarily been trending so well with the Oakland A's. 389 ERA. He's given up only about a home run per nine innings, and the walks per nine is not bad at all. He's given up about 1.8 walks per nine innings, but he's just been giving up a little bit too much contact in general, right around nine and a half hits per nine innings, and he, much like a lot of the Oakland A's, have been very inconsistent home to road. At home, 473 ERA. Road, a 276 ERA, which I find to be very interesting considering Oakland is typically a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, especially at night. Meanwhile, for Brady Singer, he has been doing a good job of being able to limit our contact as well. He has given up four home runs in 59 innings, but the walks per nine is hovering right around four. 
for that has not necessarily been what he is taking a look at, but you take a look at his home and road splits as well. You're going to be able to find out a little bit more of the story as he's got a 591 road ERA. This is a man that has opponents sitting right around a 275 off of him, and he's given up right around four walks per nine innings. So that has not necessarily been too great when you take a look at this Kansas City Royals lineup. You've got quite a few guys doing a good job of being able to get on base for this team. Whit Merrifield seems to be picking it up. He, Salvador Perez, Andrew Benatendi, hitting between a 265 and a 285. Carlos Santana hitting right around a 240, but his on base is hovering right around a 380. Calvin Gutierrez, Michael A. Taylor, Answer Alberto, all guys hitting between a 245 and a 255. Aside from Alberto, who's actually been able to pick it up a little bit recently, but Ore Solaire. Buck 76 batting average. Five home runs after he had 48 in 2019. He has been a little bit of a letdown, and for the Oakland A's, got a lot of guys that are doing a good job of being able to get on base for you. You got Chad Lowry, Chad Pinder, Mark Canna, all in between a 250 and a 260, but for Canna, double digit amount of home runs in the leadoff spot, right around a 380 on base. Matt Olson has been able to supply a lot of boom as well. 275 batting average. 15 home runs. I like what I'm getting there. Steven Piscotti, Elvis Andrews, Matt Chapman. They need to do a little bit more with regards to batting average, but they've been able to reach base as well. And when you take a look at the Oakland A's, bullpen has been relatively solid for this team. J.B. Wendelken is still on the shelf for this team, but Jake Diekman has been able to give you some relatively solid innings. I do like what you're able to get out of Lou Trevino, Birch Smith as well. And then when you take a look at the bullpen of the Kansas City Royals, Josh Samount coming back is big. Jake Brents has actually been able to do a relatively solid job with about a two-ish ERA. Scott Barlow in that neighborhood as well. Ronald Bolanos has actually been able to give you some long relief as well. So I do take a look at this spot. I do think that Cole Irvin has a little bit of an advantage here for the Oakland A's. So as a result, I wound up saying them we're on a minus 124 favorite. I needed at least a plus 124 to take a shot here on the Royals. We have gotten that. So we're going to be riding with Brady Singer in this spot. I also wound up saying the solo 8.9. So we're going to be going over along with the Royals. 925, 926 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be playing us to the LA Angels. Shohei Otani is going to be going for the Angels. Merrill Kelly is going to be on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Your total on this game is 9. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even minus 110 if you're looking at the Angels. And we're between minus 130 and minus 141. Plus price here with the Arizona Diamondbacks is going to be anywhere between plus 115 and plus 124. Merrill Kelly has actually been about 2 points on his ERA better throughout his career at home than he has been on the road. Now, I do recognize the fact that he's just been getting shelled a little bit all over the place so far this year, but you take a look at Shohei Otani. The walks have been a little bit high for him. He's given up more than five walks per nine innings, but by and large, he's really been the best starter for the LA Angels. 276 ERA, giving up about .9 home runs per nine innings. Strikeouts are absolutely insane. He is getting nearly 13 punch outs per nine innings. Meanwhile, for Merrill Kelly, we're around eight punch outs per nine innings. He has been giving up 1.3 home runs per nine innings for Kelly. He has been able to do a much better job of command as well. When you take a look at him at home, 382 ERA is not necessarily great, but the 613 road ERA you cannot live with at home. He's given up about... I would say two and a half walks per nine innings. Opponents are in the neighborhood of about a 270 off of him, but he's been able to keep the ball in the yard. Meanwhile, you take a look at this LA Angels team. All of a sudden, the pitching is starting to get going with this team. Now, guys like Tony Watson, a Rossi Iglesias, they're not great, but at the same time, they've been able to string together some good performances out of the bullpen the last few weeks. You've got a guy in Jared Walsh who's been able to hit a 300. He's given the team 13 home runs. Choi Otani himself has been incredibly tremendous for this team. He's got a 350 on base, 17 home runs, Anthony Rendon. Along Justin Upton, a pair of guys hitting between a 230 and a 235. Rendon, you know, is going to be able to pick it up. He's got three home runs right now in 155 at-bats. 
There is no way that that's going to wind up lasting. I can guarantee you that. Justin Upton, double-digit amount of home runs. And then Jose Iglesias along David Fletcher have been able to do a good job of reaching Mason for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've got back the Quitel Marte Parte, a guy that is hitting right around a 375 with north of a 400 on base. He has been tremendous for the team. Carson Kelly is another guy with nearly a 400 on base. He spent a lot of the year on the injured list. You've got Eduardo Escobar hitting right around a 240 with 14 home runs. He's been able to supply a little bit of boom. Josh Reddick hitting a 300 has been nice now. Got a couple of slugs like Tim LeCastro, Eliermo Vargas along Nick Ahmad, but at the same time, Josh Rojas has been able to give you a tad bit of something. 330 on base, 250 batting average. The big fear with the Arizona Diamondbacks, the bullpen. It's looked a little bit better recently. Umberto Casianos has actually been nice for the team, but Kevin Ginkle, Joe Manapoli, Stefan Kickdrand, bunch of guys with north of five ERAs. It has not necessarily been too tremendous for this team. I want to say the Angels is more around a minus 143 favorite, so I'm going to be taking them on the money line. I also set this all at 8.3. I think that Otani is going to be able to do a good job in this performance, and Kelly has been a little bit better at home than he has been on the road. So, taking the under along with the Angels, and we'll wrap things up with 927, 928 on the bang board. The LA Dodgers are going to be playing us to the Texas Rangers. Mike fulton Navich is going to be going for the Rangers. Clayton Kershaw is on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers, anywhere between minus 265 and minus 305 favorites. Meanwhile, you've got the Rangers anywhere between plus 232 and plus 270. And your total on this game is anywhere between 7.5 and 8. On the 7.5, overs minus 120. The unders, even if you're looking at the 8. Unders, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The overs, anywhere between even a minus 105. I thought I was making an extreme price when I wound up making the Rangers right around plus 230. I'm going to wind up taking the plus 270 here with Clayton Kershaw over his last 13 home starts. This dates back to the year 2019. He has allowed 20 home runs at Dodgers Stadium in those last 13 starts. Now, the team has been able to win quite a few of them, but at the same time, that's a lot of hard contact. Now, take a look at Mike Fultonavich. He's been giving up just under two home runs per nine innings himself. So he hasn't necessarily been too terrific there, but he's actually done a better job of not giving up home runs on the road than he has been at home. At home, he's given up eight home runs in 44 and two-thirds innings, right around five bombs on the road so far this year. Opponents are hitting a 322 off of him. So it's not great wherever you take a look, but for the, with the Texas Rangers, Adolias Garcia. I recognize that he's been stuck on 16 home runs for quite a bit. He still has 16 home runs and is hitting at 275. Isaiah Kinnear Falefa hitting at 290 for this team. You've got a couple guys like a Nate Lowe, like a Nick Solak, hitting between a 230 and a 240. They're able to reach base. Willie Calhoun, along with Brock Holter, hitting between a 240 and a 250 as well. So, you've got quite a few producers for this team. And for the Dodgers, no question, this is a team that they've been able to pick up their offense. But keep in mind, they're also having to go from the East Coast to the West Coast. So, there is going to be a little bit of travel involved with this. You've got a team of guys that are just really doing a good job of being able to get on base as well. I will say this, among the guys that wound up being position players that wound up starting yesterday, I believe that at least five of them have an on-base percentage that is at minimum a 350. You've got Max Muncy, who's been able to give you a double-digit amount of home runs, 416 on-base, 260 batting average. Mookie Betts was able to go deep yesterday. For him, 255 batting average, 366 on-base, and six home runs. That's terrible, so he's going to be able to pick that up. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of a guy like Zach McKinstry, who's back in the full Cody Bellinger. Had a rough start to begin the year, but he's starting to pick it up ever since he got off the injured list. And for the Dodgers, this is a team in which the bullpen 
Kunlun is still a little bit of a question mark in my opinion. Kunlun Jansen has actually been very good for the team along with Victor Gonzalez. You get back Jimmy Nelson and David Price. Blake Tryon has been pretty solid as well, but guys like Joe Kelly are not necessarily doing a great job. And for the Texas Rangers, bullpen for much of the year has been terrible, but John King has been able to give you some good innings. I like what I'm seeing out of Brett Martin. You bring in Spencer Patton. He, in very limited work, has been able to do a little bit of something. Taylor Hearn, after a tough start to begin the year, he's been able to give you some good innings as well. Dodgers should be favored in this spot, and they should be relatively sizably favored, but at the same time, I feel like Clayton Kershaw is being priced too high right now, especially with the ability of him giving up the long ball. So I want to take the soil at nine. I'm going to be taking it over, and I'm going to take the plus price here with the Texas Rangers. And now we're at things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this wonderful Friday. A big thanks to Danny Vietti of CBS Sports and the Wake and Rake Podcast for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you got one or two ways to be able to fire on a question if you have it for this podcast. My Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81 is the first one. Keep in mind the letters EM. Amy does not matter, so I send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I'll be with you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow.